0: Congregation, the text for the sermon this morning is Romans 12, verses 4 and 5. We'll read those verses again, verses 4 and 5 of Romans 12. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. So far the text for the sermon. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, and that includes you, boys and girls. Our home visit theme this season is verse 5 of our text. And to put it into context, I also took verse 4 for the sermon Because taken with verse 4, you see that the main idea of those verses is that we're one in Christ. We're together one in Christ and at the same time, diverse in ability, gifts, functions. We're united through our common faith in Christ, our connection with Christ, our confession of Christ. We're one in that. He's central to everything. He's what binds us together here. And we're all joined to each other in Him through a common faith. He's the source of our being connected with one another here. We all have Him and in common. We share in all His gifts. However, there are big differences between all the people here. We're quite diverse in personality and strengths and weaknesses, in abilities and disabilities. And you'd think that, that that variety would hinder the unity. If there were so many differences between us. But it doesn't hinder that unity at all. No, the opposite is the case it enhances, it brings about that unity, it makes that unity real. Those differences in person and functions are necessary to the unity of the church. To the church is operating as as one, as a communion of saints. It makes that unity real and practical. Our text then shows us our one place, our one place and our differing functions in the church, the communion of saints. And the theme for the text this morning is then, all different, yet one body. We first pay attention to the one body and then to the different functions. First of all, the one body. The unity of the church and the differences within it are explained in our text, by means of the imagery of the human body. Verses 4 and 5. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ. Many, but one body in Christ. Christ. And that's, that's the basic principle we have to keep in mind when we consider our own place and function in the church here. And by comparing Christ's church to a body with many members, the Spirit is drawing our attention to a number of things here. In, in the first place, this means that the local church is a unit. Sometimes Paul, you know, he speaks about the church as a body, and then he means the, the universal church. But in other places, he means the local church. And then you see that in, also in 1 Corinthians 12. He's talking about the local church. And here too. The local church is a unit. And that's why he speaks about it as a body. No member here can stand on his or her own. An arm or a leg or an ear can't exist on its own, it can't function on its own, can't lift or walk or hear without being joined to the rest of the body. So we need each other, all fully, we're all fully part of the body here. Many members, one body, members of one another, Secondly, the image of the church as a body also points to a ne- necessary variety among the members of the church. Human body has a lot of different members. Without that variety, without the differences among the members, the body wouldn't be able to function. If the whole body would be an eye, it would not be able to. It would be able to see well, but not be able to hear at all. And if the whole body were a leg, how would it? How would it see anything to get around? That's what Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 12. and if the, so, so a church, a, a body of Christ, actually needs members different from one another. Variety among the members is necessary for the proper functioning of the church as a whole, unit. And finally, the imagery of the church as a human body also implies that all the members of a church actually can't do without each other. And that's where he's heading. They get, can't do without each other. They all need each other. We need each other. Separated from the body, a member would die off. From the, separated from the body of Christ, a member would die off. That's how it is with the church. We've all received different gifts, and as member of the body, my purpose is to serve the rest of the body with those gifts Imagine. That the hand would stop functioning, stop picking up a spoon to put food in the mouth, for instance. That would affect the rest of the body. Each member is connected to the others and necessary for the well-being of the whole. So each member is expected to be engaged and use his or her abilities for the benefit and even the salvation of the other members. Well, congregation those truths that flow from the imagery of the church of Christ as a body in our text, then would determine my attitude toward myself and towards others in the church here. And then it, it, it points to an attitude of humility toward others, humility toward others, the other members, realizing that we're all brought together in Christ through faith, as a single body and we're members of one another that makes us humble I didn't choose this body Christ brings me here he brought me into it we're all connected to each other because of him we all share in him and therefore in each other so there are all kinds of different people here that are brought here by Christ to be members of his body along with me me too. And all together we're necessary to each other. We need Christ, but we also need each other. Like the various members of a body are necessary to each other. I need the others, the others need me. And if if that if you think in those terms, then you it makes you humble towards each other, right? So the comparison of the church that comparison of the church is a body which Christ gathers for himself with many members into one body that should bring us to an attitude of humility as member here. Also in humility, it also brings us to humility about how we, how we think about ourselves. The apostle says, verse 3, no one should think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly as God has dealt with each one, measure according to each one, a measure of faith. Pride, pride is so destructive in all kinds of relationships, right? So pride often will wreck things in the church. When we think of ourselves, things, we think too much of ourselves, things start to fall apart. I know more than they do I'm stronger in faith than they are I'm more upright than those people I would never do what he did or she did I'm a first class Christian and then what happens You look. I look down on others they're just dumb or weak or fragile why can't they, they be different they're inferior Christians if they're even Christians at all and that pride then leads to being unwilling to listen to others or to let yourself be corrected in something by someone else. And that brings about disunity in the church. What do I have to do with him or what do I have to do with her? And pride, you know, is a worldly attitude. In Romans 12, verse 2, we're warned not to be conformed to this world. And then the world here means the world that wants to live without God. Thinks that it doesn't need God. The people of the world don't accept God and don't want to be accountable to Him and so they will overestimate themselves. Their own abilities, their own place. That's humanism. An exaltation of the self. And we're not automatically free of that worldly pride ourselves either, are we? That lives in us too. And that's why the Apostle warns so seriously not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Don't reach too high for yourself. But be sober in your thinking about yourself. Be renewed in your thinking. Be humble about yourself. Don't imagine you're Mr. Big or Mrs. at all Realize that you're imperfect before God too and as much dependent on Him and His grace as everybody else here. And God gives not only you, but also the others various measures of gifts and abilities that grow from faith. So you realize that you don't need to feel inferior here as a member of Christ you're part of his body just as much as everybody else is just as much important part necessary to the functioning of the whole no reason to draw back and think well I'm not really part of this body no you are part of it completely that's why he brings you here But there's also no reason to feel superior to others here either. You need the blood and spirit of Christ as much as everybody else here. And the others too are just as important to the functioning of the body as you are. No reason for any pride. Only a humble attitude about self toward all the others. Yes, others are different. Others are different from us. And we see that. Maybe less able in certain things than you. But then that's no reason to look down on them. They have a place and function in the body too. There need to not only be helpers but also people who need help. For if there were no people who need help The people who have the ability to help wouldn't have anything to do. But the Lord makes sure that there are both. And I read a beautiful summary of what I've been saying there. I believe it's actually from Mother Teresa. But it applies here. You can do what I cannot do. I can do what you cannot do. And together, we can do much. That's how the body of Christ is is one and lives and grows. When the members humbly see the wonderful place and also the function the Lord in his grace has given them in, in his body, in his church, here too. One body, one body, but many different functions. In the second part of the sermon, we deal with those different functions. The Apostle congregation emphasizes those different functions in our text in verse 4. All the members do not have the same function. And that's further elaborated on in verse 6, having gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. Differing gifts. So we don't all have the same function, the following Verses list also a number of different gifts and abilities. No member of the body here is exactly like the other. In thinking, in abilities, in disabilities. Everybody has his or her own unique potentials. And the measure of that potential is connected with genetics, maybe, and upbringing, and experiences in your past, and so on. All things that determine who you are, and those are things that are determined by God in His providence. And He makes it so that one person can do different things, and maybe more things than another. That's His providence. We all have strengths and weaknesses in our lives. He made us this way. He brought us here where we are, made us who we are with strengths and weaknesses. The one more intellectually inclined, the other more practical, more hands on person. Every believer with differing abilities, variety of gifts according to the measure God and His wisdom gives him or her. And you see, if I accept that the Lord gives gifts to each as He sees fit for the good of the whole, then I'll also respect the gifts God has given to others and to me. I respect them. Then I realize that in Christ's church, I don't just have to do with human abilities and human Limitations. Human strengths and weaknesses, but strengths and weaknesses which God has given this person and that person and that person and to me. What do we possess that has not been given by God? Our abilities are products of God's grace which He gives us in measure according to His wisdom. The ability to learn and discern is a gift from Him. The ability to do practical things, to know and to organize in your mind is also from God. And if I accept that those various gifts are passed out or withheld from others in the body by God Himself and His grace and wisdom, then I'm not going to look down on the others or that are able or not able to do what I can do. then I respect the way God organizes the body. And I respect what others contribute to the body. And even if it's criticism of what I do or say, I can accept admonition or correction from another, even if it's painful. Because... I realize God has given that person that gift to see what I'm doing and to be able to approach me. And I realize it's for my good. It's so that I can stay close to Christ, remain part of His body. It's so that I can discover the weaknesses in my life which maybe I have a blind spot to. So I can correct that. And God gives that person the ability to see it in my life and to help me. If we accept and respect the different functions God has given each of us in the one body of Christ, then we also realize, you realize, that none of us is self-sufficient here either. In Christ's body, we are all joined together and we need each other. Like a body needs all its members to be able to do and live and do. We're parts of one body who all have different functions. By ourselves, we're incomplete. The foot needs the eye. The ear needs the hand. We all need each other's different gifts and abilities to help with each other's weaknesses and inabilities. And that's why the apostle writes in verse 5 that individually, individually, each with his own, we are members of one another in other words, each member belongs to all the others, complements the others. That's how God has organized it. And congregation, as, as Christians, we're not given different gifts and abilities to simply use them for ourselves, then, in the church either. For our own pleasure or our own status. See how wise I am, or so. No we are given those gifts to serve Christ's body with them for the good of the whole. Christ's members are members of a body as a whole. And we are to use it for the whole. doesn't sound that appealing, serving others with the gifts you have. Just as in the human body, each part of the body lives for the whole body and fulfills its function to make the body work at its full potential, so in the church, each Christian ought to find his or her unique function and fulfill that function for the good of the whole body. That's why you're here. And to serve the others means self-denial. And that's not nice. To dethrone the self in our lives is so hard, so terribly hard. Because our self is always pressing for attention. Our own comfort always seems to shout at us. Satan manipulates the self in us to keep us from living for Christ's glory and the good of the church as a whole. And the truth is that we have to understand we have actually no rights of our own as members of one another here in the body of Christ. We live in a society which shouts about human rights all the time, in a society in which self is dominant. Self comes first before every other consideration. In our society today, people basically live for themselves before others. And if they don't get what they want, there's trouble, there's disruption, there's noise. That cannot be the case for those who are in Christ and members of his body. We live for Christ. We look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the goal set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Because he did that and lived like that, God highly exalted him and gave him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Through Christ's sacrifice, self-sacrifice, we have been delivered from everlasting damnation. We are not our own, bought with a price, the price of the very lifeblood of Jesus. And to contemplate that awesome gift through Christ is the way to offer ourselves to Him as a living sacrifice as mentioned Romans 12 verse 1 and by this we not only understand that we have no rights of our own but that we're caused to gladly give up our rights to Christ live for Him whatever the cost but living for Him means being active member of His body His church He wants us to serve Him, especially through serving our brothers and sisters in Him, His body. That's how we serve Him. Remember Jesus' description of Judgment Day, Matthew 25. The Son of Man will say to those on His right hand, He will say, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me And I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then those people will ask, when did we do those things? And, and then the king answers, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You did it to me. Using one's gifts for one another in the body... Of Christ is serving Christ himself you're not helping another person only your help you you are serving Christ and doesn't understanding it that way congregation that you're serving Christ in using your abilities for the body make the task light and the burden easy So to sum up, to sum up, faith in Jesus Christ makes us one. Though we are many, all different, we are one body in Christ. We believe the same Christ. He unites us. And that should encourage us to unity in spite of any differences there might be as to ability and potential among us all. And disability... And secondly, we all have different functions in this one body. You'd think unity would mean that everybody has to be the same as much as possible. But no. In the body of Christ, it's the variety which makes the unity, which makes it work wonderfully. It's a necessary variety which brings all the individual members to function together for the good of the whole, and all for our good and for the glory of Christ, whose body it is. Amen.